Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, meme by Margaret St. Clair. This is for first published in Planet Stories, Fall 1950, and only ever published in Planet Stories, Fall 1950. I've read. Um, several stories out of this particular issue it's a in fact we have read several stories out of this issue um it's a good issue um i believe uh jerome bixby was the editor at the time oh yeah there it says um who was uh, quite a science fiction writer of his of his own he he uh there's a pretty good movie that came out in 2007 that is a science fiction movie that he wrote and it got like crowdsourced financing and stuff like that uh, he's probably most famous as the, uh, contributor of, a episode story, that is, to, uh, A Twilight Zone, um, called It's a Good Life, and then, uh, he wrote four episodes of Star Trek, but, um, I'm starting to think he was a really good editor, because his reign as Planet Stories editor is pretty good. There's, uh, a story by Paul Anderson in here, Ray Bradbury, uh, Robert Abernathy story that I think is just terrific uh, that we've covered called Strange Exodus. And we also did Patch out of this issue, which is a hard SF story. Um, but I think probably the best story in here is Meme. And I, I really like how ambitious it, uh, ambitious it is. It's by Margaret Sinclair, as I mentioned, um, who uh, we've been covering a lot on this podcast because I think she really brings the goods um, this is a very ambitious story, uh, very compressed in space, and I think it suffers a little bit from that because I don't hear anybody talking about this story, and I think it's really interesting. Wow. I, I think it's a good story, too. Um, I think, though, that my understanding of its compression makes it better not worse mm. it may make it um but um maybe we're talking about two different things let's the meme is m-e-e-m for right. those who haven't looked at it it's uh it's it's not the word we use these days for uh, cute little jokes on the visual jokes on mm -hmm. the internet um but it may well in fact come from the same meme since margaret st Clair had a uh, a master's degree in Greek classics. Do you want to talk about her at all? Sure. She's an interesting person. Very interesting person. Um, she started her, her writing career uh, in 1946, and she went quite a ways into, I want to say, the 70s, um, uh, but never really like had a breakout starring book as far as i can tell she did actually get quite a bit of attention for her idris seabright stories which were mostly published in uh fantasy and science fiction along with a story there uh called the man who sold rope to the knolls which is kind of a uh it's playing with some lord dunsany ideas um but uh, i'd not really heard much about her uh until i started reading stories for for us uh -huh. and um uh so yeah she 
was quite an independent woman. <laughs> um, yeah. Independent thinker, and I think that shows up here in the story. But um, I don't, I don't, I don't have access to her her own words as much as I do to the Wikipedia entries and the other things that are writing about her being a a wick a witch in a, a witch and a. <laughs> um, uh, I think she was a nudist as well, mm. which you know they go together, I guess. <laughs> um, I believe she was married and she was childless, but um, indeed I, her husband I, was also a, a witch. Yeah, and and uh, they were, I, I gather, voluntarily childless, intentionally childless. But she grew a lot of plants. She and she raised puppies too so she she was in favor of biology doing its thing mm-hmm. and she, she had a long life thing. she she born in 1911 died in 1995 so she had a, a long and vigorous uh, life with um i believe she was a west coast person for at least some of her period but uh i feel like i need to read a biography about her because the more I read her stories, the more I think, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in this woman's life just based on what kind of story she's writing. As you you pointed out, you know, she, she uh, I think she was a gardener, right? Um, we, we see that in another story. Um, here we see it's it's kind of about alternative forms of reproduction. And uh, I want to talk about how compressed i think the story idea is in here but um it's it's just way too long for us to read uh on the podcast so let's get a sense of the plot then yeah would you uh guide us through that it's it's a little difficult Mm -hmm. because uh, the story this is part of what i think of it as compressed the story there's a simple story um and then in the telling of the story, we get the backstory, and it comes up intermittently so that there's a, a constant shuttling back and forth mm-hmm. between the narrative present and a, a narrative past. The narrative present begins this time last year, Duncan had been junior commissioner for protocol at the terrestrial embassy. Um, Discreet, hardworking, popular with his male and female colleagues alike, the future had seemed to hold nothing for him but a series of comfortably merited advancements to full consular rank. Now he crouched under the bridge in the chilly darkness of the Vaudrian night, holding on to the upright and shivering uncontrollably while he prayed, prayed to everything in his nebulous pantheon, that the Vaudrian patrol wouldn't find him. It wouldn't be so bad if they merely shot him, but he doubted they would let it go at that. Now, that's a, that paragraph is well worth unpacking after mm. one's gone through the whole of the story, but I think one doesn't understand what it means on the first reading. And that's part of, I think, what I see as compression in the story. The, the story, he's, the, the, our man Duncan, in the narrative present, is trying to uh, evade the Vaudrian patrols. It turns out that he is he starts on a bridge, clearly a metaphoric uh, location, uh, starts out on a bridge, and we find that he has uh, held underneath his tunic a meme. The meme is a 
universal pet among the Vodrians, Vodria being some other planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems sluggish, but as we go through the narrative present, we see that he is in tel- Duncan is in telepathic contact with the meme, or more likely the meme is in telepathic contact with contact with him. And he is he Duncan is trying to to leave. The meme is driving him toward an Earth cargo ship that is being loaded at the spaceport. In fact, Earth has become rather dependent on a particular extractive resource called Benite. And and yet the, the Vodrians who look like us, except they are taller and they're blue-tinged, um, that is their skin color, they look like us, um, th- they have enforced a strict separation between terrestrials and Vodrians. Not that they can't meet for diplomatic purposes, but they they don't they're watched. A, a, a terrestrial who meets a Vodrian is liable to be seen by the Vodrian powers that be, and punishment will ensue. Uh, Duncan is trying to get to the ship and escape to Earth with the meme, and the meme to the extent that it's able to understand its environment and things going on in it telepathically, and it turns out clairvoyantly, is lending guidance to Duncan. The, they, they wind up getting away from the, the patrol, finding their way toward the ship in the spaceport, climbing up a cable, which is a grounding uh, cable because of the static charge that presumably builds up on the hull of the ship in space. They go up a cable. They get into the ship. They meet someone who had been pre had been prepared to help um, Duncan escape uh, because of something I'll tell you about in a moment. Um, but then, in fact, in the course of trying to hide he finds himself compelled to join a group of tourists who are Vodrians who are getting a tour of the ship. And in that place, he is attacked. And and you can figure what happens at the end. We'll get to the end in Mm -hmm. a minute. In the course of this, we find out slowly, slowly that uh, there's this cult of fatherhood Mm -hmm. on the, the planet. Um, and the terrestrials believe that everybody there, that, that the culture, uh, valorizes fathers. It turns out though, um, that the memes, which Duncan views as the universal pet of, uh, Vodria turns out that the memes, um, are telepathic. And ultimately we find out, um, why it is that we don't know that the, the biology of Vodria has been kept hidden from the terrestrials. Um, we see it in the ending of the story. Mm-hmm. The meme um, paid note who is now on the the floor of the corridor inside the spaceship where Duncan has been uh, stunned. Uh, the meme paid no attention to what was going on behind its back. It was wholly occupied with frisking and corvetting around the alluring females of its race. Now, previously, the meme has been slothful. 
Their attraction, the wonderful attraction which had reached into the cabin seeking the meme and enmeshed Duncan at the same time, there's more telepathy, held the animal irresistibly. It knew what would happen to it, but it no longer cared. Since Duncan had stepped into the corridor with it in his tunic, it had ceased to struggle and resist. After the mating, there would come the egg-laying. After the egg-laying, the long period when the young Vaudrians would feed painfully on its still, that is the memes, still living flesh. What did it matter? The desire whose contagion reached telepathically to Duncan, that is, Duncan had been driven by the same sexual attraction that the meme had had, had driven Duncan straight toward the Vaudrian stun guns, burned brightly and compellingly into the meme. Duncan would probably share its final fate as food for the Vaudrian young. What did it matter? The meme was the Vaudrian functional male, the semi-parasitic father of the next generation. Its females were before it. Today was Father's Day. Mm. The meme wanted to mate. So we find that at that last part, the story has taken its narrative present and, and gathered together its backstory. And now we understand, but it doesn't say this explicitly. They're really, this is a trimorphic uh, mm -hmm. race. It has adult males, adult females, and it has this other male form, um, which is the meme. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to assume, uh, since if they got killed before they became looking like males, um, that they must happen after they start looking like terrestrial males. So at some point, the terrestrial male Vaudrian, the terrestrial appearing male Vaudrian, must undergo a metamorphosis and become this telepathic meme. And that's the third stage, uh, the third shape of Vaudrians. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, in fact, uh, something like the the males of praying mantises. Right. It, it, it's food for uh, for the next generation. Yeah. One, one of the lines uh, that stands out is, is uh, they're, they suckle their young, but they're not mammals. Right. <laughs> and, uh, right. and and then th this this story is full of striking imagery, right? Uh, I think that's all the stuff of him hiding under the bridge is all very well done for you know very compressed amount of space it's told in, but the the vision of the the embassy staff on the roof of their building looking out uh, at the giant temple with the giant statue that's revealed once a year that has a uh, a father. Uh, with a, a young Vaudrian female standing between his legs, pointing ahead, um, like to the future. And then at the base of the statue is a meme. And it's uh, everybody agrees it's pretty interesting. But that uh, one of the things we haven't talked about at all, and trying to talk about what's going on in the plot, is the secrecy that is in the story, and finally revealed in the last you know paragraphs, is also a secrecy that the Vaudrians are pushing and perhaps the earth people are pushing too because the interrelationship between the embassy staff getting moved around shuttled around and people talking to the embassy staff getting murdered perhaps by the Vaudrian state um and obviously our our hero Duncan getting into his predicament um it's very hard to understand, like why, 
why all this is happening unless it's um, commerce must go on despite the horrors that are being hidden from us. But I, I, I think those horrors are they're not they're not normal horrors because this is bi- biological, right? We wouldn't think of this as a a moral horror, but Duncan seems to. Well, uh, there are some things hidden in here, mm-hmm. as you say. It's compressed. Um, Vaudrire is the French verb meaning to be worth, to have value. Mm-hmm. So in the in the Michelin Guide, it, it will say next to uh, a particular site, um, vol le voyage. It's worth taking the trip. That's a very famous phrase, made famous by the Michelin Guides. And I can't help but wonder if we're not supposed to think of vol le voyage here. Um, the Vaudrians want to, the, the, the meme wants to get onto that ship. Mm-hmm. He wants to get to Earth. Uh, apparently because he doesn't want to be eaten. Right. But then once he gets that attraction, he feels that attraction, um, by golly, he doesn't care. It's, it's okay. He, he wants to be eaten if that's what it takes uh, in order to have the sexual relations. It reminds me of... Uh, the, the 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 riddle why is uh, a man like linoleum <laughs> uh, why because is if a you man? lay him right the because if you lay him right the first time you can walk on him for years right right um, there is this notion that male sexuality is somehow mindless but once triggered it will lead the man to Submit to all sorts of excesses uh, to accept maltreatment and so on. So that that ending could be um, a way of us to understand that metaphorically, this is a comment about how men are. On the other hand, it could be quite the opposite. It could be, and this is why women should always be in charge, because mm. we notice that in on Vaudria, all of the leaders are female. We're told mm-hmm. that explicitly. The mm-hmm. head of the police and so on are female. Maybe that's good because they are not as compelled as men are who would allow themselves to be utterly consumed by their sexual attraction. So it's vol of voyage for the meme. But the ship that he wants to get onto is one that we terrestrials have named. It's the SS Gorgo. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as I said, she had St. Clair, a master's degree in, in classics. The, the Gorgo is a Medusa. It is, it is one of those mythical females, the sight of whom will turn a man to stone. Mm. He loses all independent will. And that sort of makes me think that, that St. Clair isn't just giving us a nifty story about unusual sexuality and unusual metamorphosis. She is building up vivid metaphors and they are graphically vivid. This, this, as you said, the, the imagery, the, the, the picture of him on the bridge, the lights coming in around him, the searchlights looking for him, the crowd coming together, the statue standing there. It's very vivid. These are metaphors, I think, for human sexuality and how badly men misunderstand it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I, I, I briefly considered 
uh, like you, Gorgo, as Gorgon, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I was thinking, but she didn't call it because it's it's a human ship, right? So I, I think she's very good at playing with names. I, the word meme, M E E M, is one of those words like radar. It's spelled backwards and forwards the same way, which mm-hmm. gives you a certain feeling. Gorgo is similar. It's got the G O R G O. It's not you know backwards and forwards the same, but it has this sort of balance on it. Uh, but I actually thought, um, what if what if this is not referring specifically to the Gorgon uh, Medusa, the thing that turns you to stone? Which you know, as you say, he's compelled at the end. I was thinking a little bit about uh, Gorgon. Uh, sorry, Gargo, the the wife of the king of Sparta. She's one of the few, um, you know, Greek women we get a, a name of out of history. And she has a, uh, one of the things in her story is she suggests a document that came, um, a mysterious document that came from, I think it was her husband or somebody, um, uh, needed, to, needed to be melted to have the wax removed from it so that the secret message within underneath could be seen and we actually have that in this story um there's there's something really interesting going on the uh main character's boss duncan says uh, i think his name is nickerson he he sort of hints as if he's a little bit drunk um of what's going on that sets our hero duncan on this path that ultimately dooms him um, and he gets uh, promoted off of the planet, sent to Mars, um, but sends him a cryptic letter um, that has passed some sort of censorship or some sort of uh, spying at the embassy. Um, but he eventually figures it out, and he sees the secret message therein that allows him to uh, find this Gorgo ship and hopefully escape back to Earth. The thing, though, is um, if he is acting like a Gorgo character, he is doomed by this secret message. It's almost like uh, the Lovecraftian, you know, you don't, these are things men are not meant to know. <laughs> As you point out about uh, the sexuality here, there is a kind of constant fear. She's... She's putting so much into such a compressed space. I feel that the the time she repeats things is very important. And there's this constant worry about there's too much trade with this planet. The Vodrians are are playing too big a role in Earth, right? The the I'll just read a couple of those examples. Um, I don't think it's altogether a good thing. Uh, and has become so dependent upon large-scale imports of Benite from Vodria that we can't risk offending them. This Benite, B-E-N, right? It's a good. <laughs> it's something good. We don't need to know what it is other than it's a good that humans need. Um, and we're willing to put up with uh, the secret society, the secret yet public ceremony of the Father's Day. And when Duncan makes a friend with one of the sort of strange males from this planet, he ends up, that the strange male gives a little hint to us that, you know, you never see the memes after Father's Day. 
and then he ends up murdered. Um, like, who murdered him? Like, there's all this back uh, sort of hidden stuff from us. We need to infer what's going on. But I'm not sure if it's a human, uh, a human plot to hide the truth about the Vodrians from the humans, as well as the Vodrians trying to hide it from the humans. But because it's a public ceremony, and it's all out in the open, but it's also hidden, it's, it's, um, I think it's a really good metaphor for, like, human society in the 1950, you know? <laughs> oh, there's all well, this, all this... among sexual... other periods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, you know, today, you know, you go on the internet, you can see anything you want, right? But I just heard somebody talk about how much censorship there was in pulp magazines. I'm like, well, kind of and kind of not, because this end of this story, it's it's pretty explicit what it's about. This is about s- sex and how it could be different as or seen differently or operate differently. It's a very uh, John W. Campbell style, um, show me an alien that thinks like a man, but not like a man, except in this case, it's show me an alien that fucks like a man, but not like a man, or in this case, a woman. And it's it's disturbing, right? The, the memes are eaten alive. One of the very brief, so many scenes in this, one of the very brief scenes Duncan has at a restaurant um, is he goes to attend to a baby that's crying and crying, and it it starts eating him, right? It bites him. Um, and then when the mother comes back, she says, oh, his meme died too soon. But they're eaten alive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is very taboo crossing, and yet it's all here explicitly for us in this story. I think that's pretty impressive. I agree. Uh, just as a, not that I believe that writers have to write what their, what their, uh, biographies accord with, but I, I might note that, uh, in fact, I will note that uh, Margaret St. Clair, born Eva Margaret Neely, um, was the child of a man who managed to make a pretty good living and, and at one point briefly was a U.S. representative in Congress. Um, he died when she was, I think, 10 but he left the family, she was the only child, well provided for. Uh, in other words, when she was young, her father was consumed in order to give her the material mm. to be able to thrive for the rest of her life. You said she was a West Coaster, and she was, but she didn't move to the West Coast until after the father died, mm-hmm. and the mother took the, uh, the inheritance, and they lived on it. Uh, they moved to California and lived on it. So uh, there is something here almost autobiographical. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that makes in one way it makes no difference. But in another way, it sort of lends uh, plausibility yeah. to the notion that she is she, Margaret St. Clair, is trying to suggest, you know, children consume their fathers. She doesn't have a mother consumed. Mothers are the leaders. Mothers are the important figures, as, as was true in her life growing up. And that she doesn't want to have children 
suddenly refocuses and you have to ask, God, I wish I had known Margaret St. Clair. Did she not want to have children because she didn't want her her husband to be consumed by right, it? Right. I don't mean literally, but psychically. It, it, you know, it, it's a massive toll. This is, this is another biological mechanism that's very similar is the cuckoo, right? The bird, yes. There's nothing that is more harmful to birds than having to raise their own young. It causes them to not only eat for themselves, but to eat for a, a whole brood. And so this uh, brood parasite called the cuckoo, and it's a whole class of birds. It's not just one. But they lay their eggs in the nests of other birds so as to not have the cost, the tremendous cost of calories to raising their own young. And this is something that humans worry about, right? Uh, is that child my own child? Well, a mother always knows when the baby comes out of her that it's hers. But the father has to assume that unless he locks her up all the time. And in this case... This is a society where all the males know how this works. We have a scene where one of the... There's so many scenes in this very brief story where one of the police captains, a woman, an elderly woman, is telling one of her uh, underlings, a male, that he and the other men in the police unit need to bring their wives to the spaceport, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's like, oh, we don't know why this is happening, but that's not a normal thing for police to do. Well, it's going to be an especially important ceremony, Father's Day, right? Right. And it's like uh, there's a, a tremendous amount of psychology put into this very deep, biological, hard SF story. You'll notice, going back to that very first paragraph, this time last year, mm-hmm. Duncan had been junior commissioner for protocol for protocol at the terrestrial embassy. But junior, this, he hadn't come of age yet. He didn't know what was what. It was this time last year. Margaret St. Clair is letting us understand at the very beginning, but we don't know what it means at that point, right. that the women, the females of the Vaudrians also are compelled by their biology. That's why the women have to, the wives of the police officers have to come mm-hmm. because it turns out this time last year when Duncan is trying to escape, this is going to be the next Father's Day. And all the memes will, in fact, a- arise. The men will turn into memes. Mm-hmm. And the women will be wanting to mate with them. And then, of course... When they give birth, the children will, the offspring, both male and female, will consume the memes. So the the women are compelled as well. The females are compelled as well. And St. Clair has beautifully constructed the story so that we can reread it now and get a whole different sense of what's going on, viewing it from the Vaudrian viewpoint instead of just Duncan's viewpoint. Uh, in other words... We read it, we think about it, we understand it applies to us, it has to do with our myths, it has to do with our biology, Mm. it has to do with our sociology, it has to do with the 1950s, but I think it has to do with a lot more, which is why even today, there's always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts 
by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Can't believe it's never been republished. Nobody said, hey, this story needs more attention. Crazy.